stuff. I have another quick text message here. Uh, it just says this. Great sports people have great uh, witnessing if they love God. They have a great opportunity to witness. Now, I believe this is true of any influential person. Uh, that they have, you know, a great ability. I, I, I particularly like it when I see sports people, you know, de- dedicating them, dedicating themselves to God. Um, and but it's interesting you should say that because um, um, McCrindle did research recently, mm-hmm. and they said that here in Australia, famous people who have faith kind of turn Australians off of faith. Mm. So, so I guess it's a, it's something to handle with a lot of care. So, so if you are a sports person, you're listening, uh, which is really great. Yeah. Uh, uh, definitely be, be courageous with your faith, but it's also to live with integrity as well. But, yes. but I guess the other thing as well, um, Lawson is, is too, that you can be just an ordinary person, um, and not have the, the fame of being a sports hero or winning Olympic gold mm. medals. Um, mm. but you can change a person's life. Hundred percent. So go for it. Yeah. Live faith. And, th- and I think like the ultimate thing here is you know being a famous sports person just puts you up on a higher platform to, for mm. people to see good Christian character. Yes. Because that is it's like, a reminder. Exactly. Well, that's mm. the, that's the big that's the thing that people see is mm. the way that you live your character. And and I know you know in Australia we're a, bit, a very secular country, um, but yeah, in 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 America it's good to see that there are a number of sports people who have great faith who do yeah. inspire people. I think you know when it's said that McCrindle has done research like oh, like. I've I believe the McCrindle research, but I feel like that's, you know, very heavily influenced by uh, the, you know, number of uh, controversies that we've had in the last couple of years. You know, that's true. That's sporting true. people and faith, you know, and I, the big name there, Israel Folau, the other big name, Margaret Court. Yeah. People who express their faith in terms of their beliefs of morality and have been unfortunately, you know, slammed because of it. But I guess there's that kind of negativity associated with that. Um, mm. But there's another way of expressing your faith, which is a really positive way, mm. uh, which is to to pray maybe before you, you play, yes. uh, to, yes. to, to be reading the Bible, and those kind of things are very mm. positive, to say, hey, I believe in God, I'm not necessarily kind of um, negative in other kind of ways, but but I'm really yeah. going to share my faith. So I guess, uh, Lawson, a question would be, you know, amongst millennials and, and young people does, is, uh, you know, the faith of sports people quite inspiring here uh, in Australia from your perspective? Well, like among skateboarders, for example? Yeah. <laughs> well, this is the thing. Well, it's, it's interesting. Like skateboarding, as you bring it up, it, it is uh, the, the skateboarding culture. I love skateboarding itself. I think skateboarding is a great thing. It's unfortunate to see in, in a large uh, portion of skateboarding culture that they're very much a part of the, the punk scene. And the whole idea of that is like, you know, being anti-establishment and the, uh, unfortunately one of the establishments that they see that they should be anti which uh, is the church is the church which mm. f- fair enough like I, I actually in ways I agree with them and it's been being anti the church establishment that has brought us you know the Protestant Reformation that has brought us new light and new truth and all these things but I think that they they they're anti-establishment you know yes for the sake of not being controlled but then at, at times just for the sake of being anti-establishment where I see it most I, I I'm a huge motorsport fan. 
uh, I, you know, because I used to be a motorsports athlete and in the American motocross, like most of the big motorsports series are run in Europe, but the American motocross is the biggest kind of motocross series. And you have a lot of, you know, just American country people who are involved in that sport. And, you know, they cross the line and they get on the podium, like they've won or whatever, gotten on the podium. Like, you know, I just want to give this to God and, you know, thank you for blessing me with this opportunity. I'm like, yes, yes, this is this is exactly what I want to see. It's, it's quite inspiring. And that kind of uh, crowd that sub- surrounds motocross, you have one side of it, there's kind of like the whole crusty demons, intense whole thing. But then there's another side that is just, you know, genuine lovely people who are a part of a sport and, and you see the same thing happening in, in big American sports like basketball, the NFL uh, the the NBL uh, all those kinds of things. Anyways, th- we've, talk- we've talked a-, a great deal about that and I- it's something I love talking about, I love sport but let's get into our Bible study for today definitely, Encounter definitely. with God. So let's open up to our first verse for today. I'm thinking we're going to go to Jeremiah 31, 34. This is really, we talked about this verse yesterday and we're going to be talking about it all week because this is really our central verse for this mm. week. This week topic the new covenant uh what that is how it affects us you know what it means to be in Mm. in the new covenant all of these different topics we talked yesterday about the new covenant and the old covenant actually how they're pretty much the same like Mm. in almost every aspect the outcomes of the covenant are the same the terms of the covenant are the same the the people in the covenant are the same like the the participants in the covenant uh the the covenant is instigated by the same person that being god um you know, the law mentioned in the covenant, it's the same law uh, mentioned in both covenant. There's a relational aspect. It's all about God cleansing us from sin. Uh, the covenants are very similar. But today we are going to look at the one differentiating factor of the two covenants. And we're going to read oh, about it. It sounds in, exciting. Yeah, yeah. Very exciting. Jeremiah chapter 31, uh, 31 to 34. Sven, if you've got that for us, you can go for it. Sounds good. So Jeremiah 31, starting at verse 31. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I'll make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, though I was um, their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I'll make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I'll put my law within them and I'll write it on their hearts. And I'll be their God and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I'll forgive their iniquity and I'll remember their sin no more. Mm. So the big point here, the big differentiating point, you know, he says, okay, a new covenant will come um, where I will write the laws on their heart. Mm. That's this, this big difference, new covenant, old covenant, because it's always been God's objective to save people from sin, yes. to cleanse them from unrighteousness, for them to to keep the law, you know, for the, for the world to ultimately in sin and pain and death and sorrow and suffering to ultimately come to an end. Uh, in fact, we mentioned yesterday about how the new covenant was actually the old covenant, you know, this covenant, mm. well, there's an everlasting covenant, you know, yes. God being our God, us being God's people that has always existed. But this idea of the new covenant of God doing all the work and writing the laws of our heart has always existed. We're going to talk uh, tomorrow a little bit about the old covenant and, and, uh, you know, we've, we've kind of mentioned this already before, but the idea of, okay, what, what made the old covenant, the old covenant and faulty and all these things. And it's because of the faulty promises that humanity made. 
uh, as opposed to God. But yeah, this idea of writing the law on their heart. We're going to be going through and seeing how God talks about this all throughout, uh, particularly the Old Testament, if not the entire Bible. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. So God here, he's going to write the laws on our heart. We actually, we mentioned yesterday as as we closed down, because we were talking about another outcome of the covenant is that justice is brought to those who don't enter into the covenant. Mm-hmm. Right? And it's the same judgment between the old covenant and the new covenant, which is ultimately death and, and destruction, destruction and, and perishing, yes. right? Um, and But we talked about this point that God writing the law in our heart, uh, we, we looked at Romans in, in Romans 2 specifically, God writing the law in our heart actually gives God then the ability to judge those who don't know him. Uh, mm. In a way, like for example, the the there's a classic uh, question that comes up. Oh, what about the Tibetan mountain man who lives in the hills? Has never heard the name of Jesus. Never heard God. Um, how can he be judged? Mm. How can he be judged? Well, you know, we mentioned yesterday the Tibetan mountain man. Uh, he lives in the you know the region of Tibet, and one of the laws of the region of Tibet would be that you know to not murder. And so he he knows what is morally right. Because of that law, and God has the ability then to work in his heart, to prick his consciousness, and to let him know. The Holy Spirit can speak to him. Exactly, Mm. and this is what we see here. Uh, Let's read more about this idea, and another, uh, I I guess, another um, version of the covenant, not another version, but another iteration of the new covenant given in Hosea chapter 2, verse 18 to 20. So let's read over there. It's fair if you got that for us. I do indeed. So Hosea, one of the small um, uh, prophets mm-hmm. uh, in the middle of the Bible. Hosea mm-hmm. chapter 2, verse 18, all the way down to through to 20. And I'll make for them a covenant on that day with the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, and the creeping things of the ground. And I'll abolish the, uh, the bow, the sword, and war from the land. And I'll make you lie down in safety. And I'll betroth you to me forever. I'll betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice, in steadfast love and in mercy. I'll betroth you to me in faithfulness, and you shall know the Lord. Mm, I love that word there, betrothed. Uh, this mm. is uh, this is a word that I think many of our listeners will know. We don't really use it much today, except maybe as uh, they're reading the vows of a wedding ceremony. I, I think mm. no one refers to a wedding itself as, you know, betrothal. A betrothal. <laughs> uh, but definitely, like, I've been to a wedding before where it's like, oh, we will be betrothed now. And they kind of do it, you know, just to acknowledge the tradition of marriage. Mm. Uh, but, yeah, betrothal, this idea that God and his people will finally be back together. I really like this uh, because it actually says that God will make a covenant with the the animals, the birds, mm. and even the um, the the creeping things. So it's kind of like the, the the lizards and the snakes as well. So so this covenant is is really with with all of life on mm. on Earth in many ways. Mm. But it does go down to this uh, this concept of of being betrothed, that commitment, that mm-hmm. um, you know, it's it's almost like engagement kind of thing. God is committing himself uh, to us Mm. out of love. He wants to know us. He wants to Mm. build that relationship with us. Um, And it's not something, you know, like the the, uh, new covenant in Jeremiah said, you know, it's not like somebody else tells you, well, this is 
is what it's like getting to know God. Mm. No, um, you shall know the Lord. It's really amazing. That's powerful. I think I've got a couple of thoughts there. Firstly, like the holistic nature of the covenant and how it's actually something that's really important. Like mm. the covenant that God has made, you know, he died for it. He yes. died for the covenant that he made with these people. You know, part of that covenant was also like, as we said before, like he will be our God. They will be his people. The represent representation of that is, is the law, right? The mm. law is God's character. And so it's, it's amazing to see here. Like, like th- there is no, there is no doing away of, you know, his character or anything, but rather mm. just this um, holistic change that happens in all of the world. You know, he doesn't allow, allow anything. And, and then he could maybe make a case like, oh, does that mean that the the birds are saved? You know, will we see my, you know, will I see my dog in heaven? Uh, mm. <laughs> maybe, I guess we don't really necessarily have the uh, the information on that. Well, what it does say is I'll abolish the, the bow, the sword, and war from land. I'll make you lie down in safety. And what, mm. what it's talking about is is a, peace that comes about on this this earth and and you know you go back for example to to the flood mm-hmm. and one of the things the the comments the bible makes is is that the land the earth was filled with violence mm. it was a it was a violent world in which to live and, and um you know war is just a, a very powerful demonstration of that yeah wow but what what it's saying here is that god will bring about peace he mm. will restore that that non-violent kind of world in which we can live and and that's an amazing thing that's what mm. we all kind of long for yes you know conflict is something we actually you know though we can grow through conflict and we you know it, it can be a good thing god can work all things for good for those who love him mm. uh, but but conflict is painful yes and, and god is committed one day to bringing peace and uh-huh. putting an end to all conflict mm. in this world yeah powerful we actually have uh, one of our listeners on the line bruce i uh, got some things to say for us bruce are you there yep yep what, yeah, what, are, what are your new- thoughts well, thinking about the New Covenant, where mm-hmm. it says, and God says, I'll take away that heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Yes. Well, that heart of stone, really stone, doesn't have any moisture for a starter, so think about that. But also, the heart of flesh, we're made of flesh. And so Adam and Eve, in the beginning, when God made them of flesh, they had a heart of flesh, you know, and that was the heart of God, and that was his character. But when they sinned, they lost it. So we are all born into this world without this heart of flesh, where We've got a heart of stone that doesn't have the moisture of God mm. in us. You know, Adam, before he was alive, he was made of dust, no water, right? And it wasn't until God breathed into him the water of life and he became a living soul. And so so we need this heart of flesh. And, and it's interesting, when we get this heart of flesh, that's exactly what God wanted us to have in the beginning, you know? And, and the beautiful thing about it is it fits so well because it's, it's what we were made to have. And that's why it's so beautiful then when we get this relationship with God and we start to allow God to direct and empower us and do what God wants us to do, you know, for our benefit and for the benefit of one another, you know, and it just, mm. it just fits well and it's so beautiful, you know, whereas we're trying to do it ourselves with this heart of stone and it just don't work. Yes. Amazing thoughts there, Bruce. That's actually, uh, I, I love that point. Like, you know, a heart of stone not having moisture. Mm. We, we think to what Jesus said, you know, I'll give you living water. And Jesus said, you know, um, you know, when the Holy Spirit fills us, mm. it'd be like streams of living water flowing yes. from, from our heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, and it's amazing that there's a softness, that there's, yes. a, there's a life that comes uh, from that. You know, um, it says right 
about here that that God will transform us or commit Himself um, to us, and there's a number of qualities: righteousness, mm. justice, steadfast love, and mercy and faithfulness. And particularly steadfast love and mercy remind me of what Bruce was saying about you know that that mm. that softness, that 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 um, gentleness, uh, which mm. is really amazing. I think the the most incredible point about this, which we're we're going to cover over the next little bit, is just this idea that God recognizes like. Okay, we've got a heart of stone. Like, mm. we are in a super messed up state. And our we're hard hearted. We're hard hearted. Mm. Uh, and our response to this, you know, the human, the human response to this in Sinai was like, Oh, yeah, we're in this really messed up state. God will sort it out by it. We'll follow your laws. We'll do, we'll do everything right. And, uh, unfortunately, we decided of our own selves to enter an old covenant relationship with God where we made faulty promises. Um, but the big thing here is God's like, Okay, I'm going to have this relationship with you. It's going to be amazing. We're going to be betrothed. We're going to know one another. Full, like, restoration is going to come upon the earth. But it's going to be because of the work that I do. Because Mm -hmm. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. I'm going to empower you with the ability to do it. Not that, oh, you're going to, you're going to work it out. You know, we can't break this heart of stone. Well, yeah, we, we, we can't change our heart mm. in terms of if we're hard-hearted, that, that's it pretty much. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll be hard-hearted, you know, for, for the rest of the, our mm-hmm. days, really. Uh, what we need is a supernatural transformation, a miracle yes. Yes. to occur. Yes, and, and that's exactly like, exa- like, you know, to have that relationship with God. It's been our sin that's cut off, off. You know, we live in this situation, in this world at the moment where, you know, we don't see, we don't see God walking with us in the midst of the cool of the day. You know, we do have the Holy Spirit, though, working in us and working through us and with us. And, oh, yeah. and I guess the, the question for us, um, this morning, uh, Lawson, and also for all of, um, mm. listeners today is this, do you want to receive, accept the covenant mm. that God is offering us? Do you, do you mm. want to accept this commitment that he's making to, to you and I and all of us listening, um, that, that God will give us a heart of flesh, that, that he will write his laws on our heart. It's an amazing promise. Mm, oh, so good. I, I love talking about this. We're going to come back and talk about, you know, just in the Old Testament where, uh, particularly in the book of Ezekiel, where it talks all about this idea of God giving us a spirit. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different going to continue on with our Bible study this morning. Yes. And we're talking about uh, the spirit, working in our heart, changing our heart so that we can yes. have that relationship with God. We and are- the book that comes to mind is Ezekiel. Yes. Mm. I love that this comes to mind. You know, I was actually having a conversation with one of my friends last night. We are at dinner and we were talking about like, okay, you know, what's the go with the with the spirit in the Old Testament? Because I think there are some who would assert that the spirit, Spirit didn't really like the Holy Spirit didn't really play a role that much in 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 the Old Testament. There, and uh, honestly, I, I would say to that person, well, firstly, you'd be ignorant of the Book of Ezekiel and many other things that happened in the Old Testament, and that kind of gives well, you, us. You go back to creation; and the Spirit is yeah hovering, hovering over, over the waters, the and, uh, and you see like consistently throughout the lives of all the. You know, the Bible heroes, Moses, his face is shining like the sun. He is, you know, filled with the spirit. And then he's a prophet. Like prophecy only comes from the Holy Spirit. It's a gift Mm. of the Holy Spirit. And so, but we're going to see that the specific work that the Holy Spirit does in changing our hearts. This is incredible, Lawson. Yeah, it is. So we're going to read a couple verses in the book of Ezekiel. We're going to start with Ezekiel chapter 11 and verse 19. If you can get that for us, Sven. Yes, it's right here. So Ezekiel. 
11 verse 19, and I will give them one heart and a new spirit I'll put within them. I'll remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh. That's exactly what Bruce was Mm. talking about before. I love that point that it makes in that first, first little portion of the verse. I will give them one heart. Mm. I'll put the spirit within them. It seems as though to me um, that with this spirit, and the, the covenant is all about reuniting God and his people, yes. but also reuniting the people themselves. Mm. You know, sin doesn't just create a barrier between us and God, but us and other people. It creates isolation, you know, because it was it was Adam and Eve when they realized, when they, when they began in sin, they ate of the fruit, they realized that they were naked and they were ashamed. What that showed is, like, because before God, like, God knows everything. Why would we need to be ashamed before God? But rather, we were ashamed before each other. You know, the vulnerability, the we became self-conscious all of a sudden. But then all, here, we see a reunification happening with God, which is pretty obvious. You know, if God's spirit is in us, then definitely a big reunification there. Mm. But then they're made of one heart. Yes. Reunification between the people. And, and what I can say, you know, from my experience as a Christian, and, and you could probably, uh, you know, say the same thing, just observing, observing Christians and also being a Christian myself is, man, when God is working in the midst of, of a ministry, of a group of Christians, um, there is real unity. Mm. It's powerful. Yes. Like, and you, I think, you know, in, in my Christian friendships, I, I've experienced, you know, the most, uh, camaraderie, the most, uh, support, the most, you know, uh, love and care because of that unifying spirit mm. that brings us together. And I feel like that's, that's one big highlighting point. What do you, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's, it's a tremendous experience. You know, when you have one vision, you have one mm. mission, one goal. It, mm. It's amazing. You know, go Going back to our, our um, analogy of sports or what we're talking about sports before, you yes. know, when, when you have a team that, that is really united, yes. you know, they're working together, they they kind of thinking um, together, um, you can do amazing things. You can you can win um, incredible goals. Mm. Um, and, and no matter how well you do in the, in the competition, the Olympics or whatever, you know, you come out to the, the, the changing rooms, you, you come out to the end, you go like, wow, that was an, an incredible experience. Mm. Um, and and the fact is, this is that, as you say, sin kind of drives that wedge. You know, I was thinking of the Tower of Babel, for example. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Where, where sin just drives us apart. Mm. Um, but but not only that, you know, you see other times in, in the, the Bible where where this, this loss of unity and, and Jesus prays, mm. you know, in John 17, the, the, the night before he's crucified, that we can be one, that we can mm. be united, we can be one with him, just as he is one with the Father. And, yes. and it's truly the spirit that does um, that that work, and that's what we really um, need to experience. And, and we do need a new heart mm. uh, because it, it's often, you know, it's a heart of pride, it's a heart of you know callousness mm. and hard hardness, which really can drive uh, people apart. Yeah, well, if you if you're not being informed by the spirit, you're, you're having a heart of stone and a life, mm. you know, with the heart of stone, not being informed by the spirit, not like is a life of selfishness. Yes, and if you're not putting like if you're living a life of selfishness and put not putting others before yourself, the reason why you get into any communal situation is to benefit yourself. Yes, because communal situations do benefit you. Yes, um, in in a lot of different ways. But like what this is saying, yeah, that that and during in those communal situations, you'll often hit those circumstances if you're just 
doing it for yourself where oh, all of a sudden there are people who don't benefit you in that community situation mm. and so you'll cut them out and yes. that drives the wedge but here it's like it'll be clear when people are unified uh, that they have the spirit because it's the only way that a group of people who are different who have different insights and, and, and differences in life differences in the personality and the way that they do things the only way that they could be um, unified in a way that, that is completely selfless and irrespective of whether they benefit each other or not is because of the spirit. It's powerful. And I think, you know, when I think of a heart of flesh, the, the kind of quality that I think of is compassion. Mm. You know, having a compassionate heart. Yes. You know, the, the willingness to um, just be considerate and thoughtful and caring, mm. um, which is just really, really you know, amazing, which is what we really need. And the other thing which comes to mind as well is this, is being willing to forgive. Mm. You know, there, there's times where, you know, we may make mistakes. And, and forgiveness is at the very heart of the new covenant. Mm. You know, uh, God says he'll write his laws on our heart. Mm. But he will also he will also forgive us all of our sins and our iniquities as well. Yeah. And if he's done it, then we need to be willing to forgive the people around us as well. That's a, that's a very clear teaching of Jesus as well. Oh, it's so true. Like we have that transition from being apathetic to the world and their needs and uh, their their problems to all of a sudden we care. Yes, we are interested, in, and we see that as the foundation of so many like ministries around the world, yes. where people have that experience of going, "Oh no, I'm not apathetic to this anymore. I actually care." Mm. All right, we're going to read our last verse this morning, Ezekiel eighteen thirty one. Ezekiel eighteen thirty one reads this: "Cast away from you all the transgressions that you have committed, and make yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. Why will you die, O house of Israel?" Now that just kind of uh, when I read that, I'm going like. Hang on a minute. It says, make yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. Um, and, and it kind of says, well, that's that's our work. But is it our work? No, it's God's work. Yes. Mm. Yes. Well, it's our work of, of accepting the spirit, right? And I mm. feel like this points to the ultimate result of the new covenant, which comes through accepting the spirit, which is freedom from sin, freedom from transgression, and furthermore, freedom from death. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. But right now it's time for... Question of the Day. Alright, Sven, this morning I'm going to be asking you a question. And our question is, wasn't uh, Hitler just following the good morals of Joshua? Okay, well, let me let me explain the context for what we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. So, so Joshua uh, went into Canaan, mm-hmm. into the Promised Land, and uh, literally um, uh, destroyed the inhabitants of first of all Josh, uh, Jericho. Mm-hmm. Uh, then, then you had other towns on the way through um, Canaan, and, and literally went throughout the whole land, kind of wiping out towns and cities. That's what he did. It was it was literally in many ways. Ways, uh, genocide, mm. and and so what the question is saying is is we have Hitler, who also in the twentieth century he he decided he would go on a rampage and he would uh, wipe out the Jews and the Gypsies, and he was uh, keen to to destroy the um, the homosexuals in in um, Germany and Europe as well. So wasn't wasn't Hitler simply looking back? to Joshua and saying, there's a good action. Mm. I'm simply going to follow it. 
Well, the, the fact is this, is that when you have any kind of action, whether it's a, a small, simple action or it's a big military action, the fact is this, is that they're not all the same. Mm-hmm. There's, there can, you have to look at the reasons for doing it and also the outcomes as well. And so when you look at Joshua, the, the, the reason uh, that Joshua did it is that because God told him to do it. God sent him in uh, to do it. Now, why did God do that? Uh, we find in um, Exodus chapter 23 uh, that God gives them a very powerful reason for, for not connecting with the people of the land. Uh, God says, you shall not make uh, you shall make no covenant with them and their gods. They shall not dwell in your land lest they make you sin against me. For if you serve their gods, it will surely be a snare to you. So literally, we need to understand the inhabitants of Canaan were a, a, a idolatrous uh, group of people and they were into some terrible things. The other thing as well as this is that uh, God knew, God had a purpose for, for Joshua and that is because his the people were going to be the people who the Messiah came through and also salvation as well. So so literally God sent Joshua into Canaan for you, uh, your salvation and mine and the salvation of all of our listeners if we choose. Mm. Whereas for Hitler, there was no reason to kill the uh, Jews, uh, the gypsies and the homosexual. There was no command from God and there was no uh, there was no good outcome as well, which means that it was a morally wrong thing to do. You cannot simply take an action and say, I will follow it. The Hitler had, Hitler could claim that God was on his side, but you can be sincere, but sincerely wrong. Yeah. And, um, and that's the thing is that, uh, what Joshua did was good for the whole world and for you. Mm. Whereas what Hitler did was incredibly wrong. So no, Hitler was not following the good morals of Joshua. Mm. And, uh, we should be careful to, to follow God and listen to his Holy Spirit in our lives. Yeah. Powerful stuff that you got to point out too, like the immediate situation of the nations that they were fighting as well. Exactly. Is like they were terrible. Like they were sacrificing kids and and running ritualistic prostitution. Like just the worst of the worst. Mm. So yeah, in a world like that, it's clear to see why they did it. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at one eight hundred Faith FM.